say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need Hello everyone and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo and holy cow have we done it again. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Dangerous Love is the book and we have the author Chad Ford. Oh my gosh is this thing powerful. This thing is just a punch in the mouth. This thing is a rip your heart out because you know what? We are deceiving ourselves. We are self-deceiving. Folks, you know what? We got problems. Seriously, you got conflict, we got problems. And you know, can I tell you something about the lowest common denominator here? <laughs> Let me tell you what the lowest. You know when it comes to problems, you know the lowest common denominator oftentimes is you and me. No, well, okay, I shouldn't have started with you. It's me, right? It's not me. It's, it's not you. It's me, right? Here, here's the thing. Chad is about to unleash a way of doing conflict that we all know that we, 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 we know deep down what we're supposed to do, but we won't do it. And it's dangerous. And it's not easy. It's not passive. It's not give in. It's, it, it's going to take action as he's going to. Dangerous Love is a fabulous book. I've read this thing. It's an eye opener. It's, a, it's just going to change you. It's going to change your relationships. It's going to change your relationships at home. It's going to change your relationships at work. It's going to change the relationships in your community. It's going to change the relationships with your children. It's going to change the relationships with your friends, your former friends, your exes. It's going to change. It's going to change the world if we will just apply dangerous world or dangerous love. Chad's going to be awesome. He's fantastic. Before we get to him, let's do what we do every week, right? Hey, you know what? You know, we're living in a, a different world, and because we're living in a different world, I check in with you to ask you how your training is going in the four areas of your life. We are four-part people. We are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. We just are, right? And, and some of us are... You know, quarantined at home. Some of us are getting out a little bit. Some of us are, you know, in different places that have different rules, right? But the the, the real truth is, what is your training like in these four areas? How well would you evaluate your own training? He, we, we all know the truth. The truth is when I'm exhausted, when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I'm, I'm out of ammunition to do whatever I need to do, when I am uh, being pressed on by all sides, the truth of the matter is you're only as good as your training, period. And so if you're not training on a regular basis, guess what's happening? You're training, you're not as good as you could be because you're not able to withstand the pressure, the exhaustion. You know, that you're hungry, that you're tired in these four areas of your life. So I'm going to ask you on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, how's your training going? Right? So let's talk about the physical area. What do I mean about your training? Are you eating right? Are you getting enough exercise? Are you drinking enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? Those four things. How would you evaluate yourself on the scale of one to 10 in that physical area of life? Right? Five is average. Right. And, and, you know, listen, you know, you know, you know me, right. I'm, I train, I'm training regularly, uh, you know, in my garage, you know, got, I went to Home Depot for $1.65, got cinder blocks and all sorts of things and, and created my own gym out of stuff, right. Because there's no excuses, right. So then the question is, whatever number you are, why are you that number? And then what are you going to do to get to the next number or the next half number? So if you're a three, I'm not trying to get you to a 10. I'm trying to get you a 3.5. Right. 
Next area, scale of one to ten mentally, right? I, my, my wife gave me this really neat thing about mental training. You have to be an active participant and an active studier if you want to grow mentally. You have to study. You have to work. The same way that you would physically, you have to do that mentally. You can be a physical loafer or you can be a mental loafer. Right? And you know what mental loafers do? They sit on the couch and they let things come at them and they don't take any active participation in their, their own growth and their own wisdom and their own mental ability to be able to grow and, and either in themselves, invest in themselves, or invest in what they do and become better at what they do in their craft or their art or in their job or in you know, their relationship. Mentally, what are, what are you doing to be that studier, that, that non-mental loafer? Right? Are you reading? Are you taking up a new instrument? Are you maybe learning a foreign language? Are you, you know, are you expanding? Are you reading books like Dangerous Love? That's great to 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 grow yourself mentally. So on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate yourself? And then it's the same two questions, right? You know, why are you that number? Then what are you going to do to change it? And then the third area of your life is the emotional area, right? And you know what? You're in emotional training every day as long as we're in a pandemic. Because you have to make choices on how you're going to feel. You can't be blaming people for your emotional well-being. You have to make a choice, right? You, You have a choice. I didn't say it was easy, by the way. But you have a choice in how you feel. If you want to blame someone else for how you feel, that's on you. That's not on them. Chad's going to talk. Listen, Chad's going to talk about this in Dangerous Love. He's going to he's going to he's going to challenge us, right? He's going to challenge us. You know what choices are you going to make? Are you going to turn first or are you going to wait for the easy love path? See if they turn. Right? Because after all, right, we have this tendency to want to blame other people for the way we feel. For the for the, we want them to take responsibility for our emotions. The truth of the matter is, we got to take responsibility for our own emotions. And so, what we have to do is, we have to be able to 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 look at ourselves in the mirror, be intentional, and say, you know what, I can feel whatever I want to feel. You do not control that. Because once we allow someone else to control how we feel, or we give them that, right, then they own us emotionally. No one should own you emotionally. That should be your choice. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how well would you say your emotional training is going? Right? And then, you know, why and what are you going to do about it? And then the final area is the spiritual area. And, you know, a lot of people get kind of freaked out about the spiritual area because they go, oh, I'm not really religious. But you know what? The truth is we're all spiritual on some level. Right? You know, I say it every week. Look, if you've got plans for the future, all right, if you have plans for the future, if you have any plans for the future at all, you know what that is? That's faith, because you believe they're going to happen. And faith is a spiritual concept. You don't know that they're going to happen, but you sure have the plans and believe that they're going to happen. That's a spiritual concept. And then, you know, how, then you know, you look at how do we get back to center? How do we get back to that place where we're at peace, even in the midst of chaos? That's a spiritual concept. For some people, it's God. Some people, nature, meditation, whatever it may be, right? That you get asked the question, is it working? How's the training going? Is it working? Is it working the way you want it to work? What do you need to change to make that work? And, and, and you got to give yourself, you know, why? 
And what are you going to do about it? Right? And then, you know, I, I say it, but I love saying it. You know what? Being spiritual isn't going to church and thinking about fishing. Being spiritual is going fishing and thinking about God. That's being spiritual. So you got four numbers, right? you got a physical, mental, emotional, and, and spiritual number. you got to think of those as the four legs of a chair. And, you know, if they're off balance, it's bad on your posture, and over time it can wear you out and, and wears your body down. By the same token, if the chair's too low, you can't eat at the right height table, and it makes everything more difficult. So what we want to do is bring up the four legs of our chair evenly and at the right height and speaking of someone who has demonstrated that he's got his legs together, although sometimes he'll say he doesn't, but it's really true. He really does have all his legs up at the right height. His name is Chad Ford. He's an associate professor of international cultural studies and director of the McKay Center for Intercultural Understanding in Hawaii. Professor Ford, otherwise known as Chad, has a bachelor's degree in history from BYU, Hawaii, a master's degree in conflict analysis and resolution from George Mason University, and has his Juris Doctorate from Georgetown University Law School. He is an experienced mediator and facilitator in family, community, organizational, and international conflicts. He has worked on conflict transformation projects in the Middle East, Africa, Northern Ireland, and the U.S. He specializes in large group ethnic, cultural, and religious conflict transformation and peacebuilding. He also administers and teaches a new intercultural peacebuilding professional certificate program. Chad has also been working closely with Arbinger Institute and Peace Players International, spearheading a project in the Middle East that brings Palestinians and Israelis together through the game of basketball. He is also uh, was the co-founder and former CEO of SportsTalk.com, an internet startup that was purchased by ESPN in 2001. Chad spent several years as senior editor and writer at ESPN before leaving in 2005 for his current post as director of the McKay Center. Chad is the author of several articles and this book, Dangerous Love, and uh, specifically about peace building in both the academic journals and in popular press. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to A New Direction, Chad Ford. Chad, welcome, friend. As we uh, say in Hawaii, aloha. Aloha. Uh, the book is absolutely fantastic, uh, Chad. I um, just love this book, and I told you I've got 31 pages of notes. I lied. It's 34. Um, <laughs> that we will not possibly... <laughs> We're not going to possibly get through them all, but I, I, this this whole notion of conflict surrounds us uh, everywhere, uh, personally, uh, in 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 our work, in our jobs, it's in our communities, it's in our uh, countries, it's in our country, it's between countries. Conflict is. It surrounds us, right? And I mean, how, do we have a real definition for how we define conflict, or is it just that we go, okay, it's just two people who don't get along? Oh, well, I think there's lots of definitions out there. The one that I start the book with, I think, is a bit unique, and it's certainly not the only definition, but one that I want to use as sort of a working definition throughout Dangerous Love, which is that it's our inability to collaboratively problem solve. So if you think okay. about like everyday life, we're solving little problems problems with our partners, with the people that we work with, with our kids, even, even when we're driving, right? Everybody's following certain rules and we're, we're constantly problem solving. Conflict arises when we struggle to solve a problem. When something comes up that's not an easy fix for us, that's when conflict arises. And it can be handled either constructively or destructively, which is what my book is about. But I think that takes some of the stigma away. That I think so many people feel, oh, I'm, I'm having a conflict with someone 
I feel bad. Something's wrong with me. The relationship must be toxic. I mean, there's all these, <laughs> these ways that we start to think about what's happening that aren't actually productive or helpful. But if we just think about it, okay, we're really struggling to collaboratively come to a solution to this problem together. Then I think there's a lot you can do. It opens up a lot of space. And, you know, as a mediator, that's, that's what I do for a living is help people collaborate to solve their problems in their life. You, we're still in the introduction here. And, and I want to, one of the things that you say in the introduction is that the truth is that most of the experiences that we have with conflict are destructive. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and that, and that raises a fear of conflict, right? Because I, it probably starts at a really young age. I watch mom and dad when they have arguments, it doesn't go well. Someone ends up crying or a door gets slammed or, you know, hopefully some, or hopefully not, but in some cases even worse, right? There's violence or um, what have you. And I take away from those episodes that conflict is bad, or maybe your family is a conflict avoider family. And so you actually never talk about conflict in your family and you sort of pick up by osmosis that when things go wrong, we just don't talk about it. We just bury it deep, deep inside and pretend it's not happening. And so we, when conflict comes our way, right, it, it evokes within us that fight or flight sort of fear response that every human being has. And if we don't have the tools and if we don't understand what it really is, we're either going to run from it or we're going to try to hide from it. Or in worst case scenarios, we're going to attack and fight and try to win and just overwhelm the other person. And none of those are going to really lead to constructive outcomes. You, you know, you know where I'm going, don't you? You just know where I'm going here, Chad. I know you do because we're, 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 running, we're talking to Chad Ford, author of Dangerous Love. Uh, by the way, Transforming Fear and Conflict at Home, at Work, and in the World. Uh, available, by the way, bookstores everywhere. So uh, let's... Let's talk about dangerous love just before we get out of the introduction, because you said nothing is safe in dangerous love. Dangerous love requires more than courage. It demands fearlessness. Whoa, 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 whoa. When, you know, we put the word love and danger together. I mean, that's, I mean, okay, I get it. That's a little odd, but what do you mean it's not safe? What do you mean that it's, we got to have more than courage? What do you mean that we got to have fearlessness? Well, if you think about that fear response to conflict, right? And my tendency to either want to run away or build armor and, you know, build up the warfare to sort of take on the other person. What love requires is vulnerability. What love requires is me to open myself up to the humanity of that person so deeply that their needs, wants, and desires, and fears, they matter as much to me as they matter to the person that's, that's across the table from me. And, and that's just scary. You know, when you start thinking about that, that's really hard. So why is it dangerous? Because it seems like I'm putting myself at risk by engaging this person and trying to get collaboratively problem solved. I'm the one who may suffer if this goes wrong. I'm doing something that's really scary. And for so many of the clients that I've had over the years, that's why they're not engaging constructively. That's why they're not doing it in the first place. And so when they meet with me and I tell them, okay, we're gonna have to do something really scary. And by the way, I can't promise you that the other person is going to react the way that you hope that they're going to react, that they're going to quickly apologize, that they're going to quickly turn back. I can't promise you any of that other than that we can start to control how you perceive that person, how you perceive the conflict, and what you do about it. That we can work on together. But, but controlling other people, unfortunately, I can't wave a magic wand. I can't control that. And that, that's just scary for all of us, right? Because we might, we might get hurt. Yeah, well, right, that's that's the problem is that 
we fear that's one of our other fears right we, you know first of all we fear of being vulnerable but then we we fear we fear that vulnerability so much that we're afraid that what's going to happen is you know we're going to we're going to get really hurt emotionally mentally some people even fear physically right that that may happen and then it becomes a thing of going, right? And we'll, we'll talk about that a little later about, you know, how sometimes a response. But th- that fear thing, man, I mean, fear is fear is a nasty thing that affects us, you know, in all sorts of areas of our life. And, 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 and especially when it comes to conflict because, you know, I don't want to injure my ego. I don't want to injure my pride. I don't want to injure, you know, I don't want to, I'm afraid that, you know, I may look bad. I'm afraid I may lose. <laughs> right? right right absolutely right i mean there's a lot of fears that go into not wanting to participate in conflict right in chapter one of the book uh called dangerous love in the desert um you pass on a story by the way one of the beautiful things that you do in this book and and people who are listening everywhere one of the beautiful things that chad does in his book is he's got a story almost for every little chapter and by the way these chapters aren't real long but they they're packed full of information and so every story he's got a personal story that he was involved with that um, makes his point the story of is of Miriam and Mahmoud uh, in the Middle East and there was a conflict and in out of that as you're telling the story you bring us to some main points that I want to talk about and that is that when we're in conflict you paint us the picture and actually draw the picture by the way love the stick drawings um <laughs> uh, i'm not much of an artist <laughs> I mean, they they work great you know they work they work fantastic but the 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 picture you draw for us is being back to back uh when we're in conflict and it's a beautiful picture because i'm i'm really not looking at you um, I'm right. looking. I'm looking away from you, and they're looking away from me. Um, and but we're elbowing each other, so we right. can't we can't see each other, but we definitely can feel each other. Right. And I, I think that metaphor of conflict is pretty apt, right? We can't see each other, not physically. I'm not talking about physically, right? But we can't see the other person's need, wants, or desires, or how this is impacting them. Mm. But we definitely feel their impact on us. Right, and. And, you know, you, you make a point a little bit later on. It says we see people in one of two ways. Um, and you say as people are objects, right? But if I can't yeah. see you, you're an object. Are, are you, am, am, do I got that wrong? Because it seemed like when you have the back-to-back metaphor, right? right? I'm really not – maybe I can feel you a little bit and I could go, ah, that's a person back there. But am, am I – when I have my back to you, do, am I really just saying you're an object at this point? Yeah, exactly. You know, I do this exercise sometimes with kids and I'll, I love basketball, by the way, and I, I always have. And so, you know, I always have a basketball with me and I'll stand up in front of a room with a basketball and myself and I'll say, I'll just ask kids, what's the difference between this basketball and me? Right. And, you know, they'll start with the obvious sort of things, right? It's made out of rubber, you're a human being or whatever. But what, what's really interesting is when we start to dive deeper, right? The biggest difference is that I have needs, wants, and desires. I wake up every morning with stuff that I want to achieve, things that I want to do, things that um, you know I want to um, make right in my life. The basketball doesn't, right? The basketball is just there for us to dribble if we want to dribble it, to uh, move it out of the way if it's in the floor and in, 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 in our way, or just ignore if we don't want to have anything to do with the basketball. 
And how often do we see people like that instead of like me, mm. right? The people in my life are there to use when I need them. That's easy love. We talk about that in the book or they're obstacles in our way. They're, they're doing something that's irritating us or keeping us from getting a solution to the problem that we want. And then we got to move them aside, mm. right? Or they're mm. irrelevant. They're neither in my way nor useful to me. And so I ignore them completely. And in each of those scenarios, I'd argue that's, that's turned away from them. Right. I, because what I'm not seeing is their essential humanity, whether I like them or not. Right. Because I can like people and still see them as an object because I like them for what they do for me. Mm. Right. That's what I like. The minute that that person that does stuff for me starts to have problems or starts to become high maintenance for me, I'm done with it. Mm. Right. Mm. Uh, and then I, then I know all along. Right. They, they, they were an object to me. And mm. so when I when I talk about seeing someone as a person, it means that their needs, wants and desires are just as real to me as, as mine are to me. Right. And right. if they're not for whatever reason that is, um, because their behaviors can look really different, right. I can see someone as an object and be treating them great because I want something from them right. because they're my boss. And I know that I'm up for a raise right in a week or, or two or whatever, or I can treat them like trash if they're in my way and I just need them to get out of my way. Um, neither one is seeing the humanity of the person that, that I'm back to back with. It's that saying, isn't it, Chad, that we use things, not people. Right. Exactly. Right. And we move things. Right. Not people. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 His name's Chad Ford. The book is entitled Dangerous Love, Transforming Fear and Conflict at Home, at Work, and in the World. And you're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, everyone. You know, I got two great sponsors here at New Direction. One is Epic Physical Therapy. They work with professional athletes and they work with you and me, just normal, everyday people and our aches and pains. That's what they do. Listen, you know, yeah, professional athletes come in and, and they get treatment to help them, you know, perform that their sport in a much, you know, in a better way and in a much cleaner way. And, you know, but you know what, let's be honest with you. For some of us, we're just getting older and things just don't work the way they used to work. And and so sometimes we just need to move and find ways to do that a little bit better. Well, the folks at Epic Physical Therapy deal with the whole ram, the whole gamut and the whole range of everything, right? I mean, they deal with, you know, the everyday aches and pains and how to learn how to stretch and exercise in appropriate ways. If you've had an injury or surgery, they can deal with that. If you're a young athlete, a professional athlete, they can help you deal with that. The truth of the matter is they will provide you with a customized treatment program that is tailored to your individual needs. That's the truth. And with their experience in rehabbing young athletes to professional athletes, they really do understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. So when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, and your epic results, go to epicphysicaltherapy.com. That's epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, they have been our sponsor from the very beginning of the show, and they continue to be. They have been in the business for over 35 years and at the top of their game in real estate, and they help people all over the world. And you go, how can they possibly help people all over the world? It's because of the relationships they make with the best experts all over the world, literally. Right. That's why somebody can be in another country. They can be in another state. They can be anywhere. And if you start with Linda, what she could do is she can refer you to the best expert in the area. And by the way, here's what's even the cooler part. Because she doesn't belong to a national brand or a national company and she's locally owned and operated, she gets to choose from all the companies, not just people in a specific network. 
that gives her a tremendous advantage and that gives you an advantage to be able to ensure that you're going to get the best expert in your area. And, you know, when she's created these relationships, she's created relationships for 35 years. Her customers still come see her 35 years later. Yep, the very first customer. You know why? It's because what her customers say about her. Her customer service is legendary. So, listen, when you're ready for the legendary right, relationship maker, right, and you want to either sell your home or buy your next home, start with Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You could do that by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, author Chad Ford and his uh, book, Dangerous Love, uh, Transforming Fear and Conflict at Home, at Work, and in the World. And uh, we are just digging into uh, some of the nuts and bolts of Dangerous Love at the beginning of the book. And Chad, you know, first of all, I can't speak enough about how much I, I enjoyed this book because it really, I think one of the things that it did is it made me reevaluate you know myself right every i mean every time i was reading something it's like do you do that do you do that do you really do that i think you do that i think you do do that jay yeah you, you do yeah. have you been doing that with your wife oh jay oh, man I, where is your back turned right i mean i'm asking myself these questions right because one of the things that you that you say in this chapter one and i, I promise you we will get out chapter one although it's hard when we see people as objects we have an inward mindset you said this and then when we see people as people we have an outward mindset right and and I was thinking to myself as I was reading this again for like the fifth time, I was saying to myself, it's really so true. When when I am I'm conflict with someone, they're just a thing. And it's and it's inside I'm 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 inwardly focused. It's about me. It's all about me. Me, 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 me. But when I see a person and I actually see them for the human being that they are and that they are capable of being they're capable of love and being loved. Then all of a sudden, it's not about me. That's a challenge for us as humans, right? It is because you think about the stories that we tell in conflict, and I like to think of them as stories, mm. right? Uh, because if you think about it, you you have a, a difficult situation at work. You come home. You tell a story. This is what happened at work. Here are the good, good guys, me. Here are the bad guys. Let me let lay out what they did, right? Here's how they impacted me. This is why it sucks for me. And this is how they should change, right? I mean, that's that's essentially our story. When people come to see me as a mediator, they tell the exact same story. And what's interesting, because I could almost sleep through these interviews, is is two key components, right, to our, to our stories. One is that they're self-focused, right? Just like you said, it's all about me. You will right. hear me, 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 me over and over again. You'll almost never hear someone say, you know, I really wonder how I'm impacting them. I really wonder how they're taking it right now. I, I really wonder if I'm being difficult or they're really struggling with me right now. That's 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 not our concern, right? No. And then the other thing that's weak because it's also, if they're seeing me, it's helped me. I can't change them. No matter how right. hard I try, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, they won't change, right? And right. so for me as a, as a mediator, it's help me. Mm. Help me change them, right? Mm. And so- these, these stories that we tell, they're both self-obsessed, which blinds us to half of the conflict, and they feel really weak because we, we locate conflict externally, and we say that the conflict ends when someone else changes. When someone else does something to end the conflict, then the conflict ends, and that leaves us feeling helpless, which is one of the reasons I think that people are afraid of conflict is they feel like 
It doesn't matter what I do. Mm. I can't change them. And because I can't change them, nothing will change. Mm. And, and we're completely blind, right, to, to right. a huge aspect of this. And we get into this later when we talk about collusion and we sort of think about sort of conflict dynamics. And it's really hard. We talk about this concept in the book, too, about self-deception, which is the problem of having a problem, not knowing I have a problem. And this is the great part. Uh, and, you know, you as a, as a psychologist and a therapist know it. And I'm going to resist any suggestion that I have a problem. So it's not going to help for me to just tell you that you have a problem. You're going to resist it. I mean, that was one of the tricky things writing the book was how do you write it in a way that doesn't just provoke the self-deception response and people can say, oh, I see that in my spouse. I see that in my kids. I see that in my boss at work, but I don't see it in me. Um, Because if I I can't see it in me, then I actually don't think dangerous love is going to be very helpful to you. I mean, maybe give you a more accurate way to describe other people's weaknesses or faults, but that's not going to actually get you anywhere in your conflict. You have to use the book. And I try to talk about this and have exercises throughout the book on yourself, right? No matter how wrong you think the other person is, no matter who started it, no matter what you think the right solution should be, i.e. they should change. You have to use it on yourself. Yeah. Well, so you know, you, you, you brought up to, of uh, the, I could feel myself honestly going to, you know, going into that thing is, you know, you know, going, okay, what conflicts do I have? You know, cause I went through the exercises in the book, right. And I would go, what conflicts does I have, do I have? And then, you know, was feeling these things of going, but you know, I, but you know, really it's their fault. Right. And then, and then you would, (laughs) and then you would point out something to me, say, if you even, if you even, if you even look at me with the look of, you know, you need to consider that you're part of the problem here, the the immediate defensiveness that comes, right. It's not just, it's not just, it's even suggesting to me. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's how sensitive we are when we're in the midst of conflict. the, The very fact, I mean, you know, I was putting myself in a position, you know, of going, yeah, when I'm in the middle of conflict, the very su- suggest, even suggesting to me that, well, have you considered that maybe you've got at least a small percentage of this? You can feel inside your body, literally, you know, from the movie Alien, and I'm aging myself, want to come out of my chest and grab you, Chad, and go, you're wrong, you know, because, you know, you can feel that. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual response to how dare you even imply that I right. could be a part of this problem. And, and you know, it's interesting. We all feel that to a certain extent because it's a natural psychological response, right, right to dissonance. And right, so I'm supposed to have this relationship with this person, but it's not going that way. I have to come up with some sort of justification. I can look in one of two ways. I can look at myself right? And try to figure out how to change. Or the easier one is I can find a justification for why it's okay to mistreat um, this person. And I build these justifications up. And then what I become invested in is being right about those justifications, being right about that person. So anybody that suggests to me that I'm wrong, what's happening is I'm getting threatened with, I, I think maybe some of the most powerful needs we have. People, you know, there's been different psychologists over the years that have posited that the need for sex or the need for power or the need for identity, you know, what's the most powerful need? I I don't know just in humanity in general what it is, but I can tell you as a long-term mediator what it is in conflict. It's to be right. Oh, oh. 
the, the need the need to be right the need to be proven that that i'm right that you're wrong and we cling to it so tightly at times that i can be wrong in every aspect of my relationship mm. and still be talking about being right mm. there's there's ironically this way to be right and be completely wrong with the person that we're in relationship with. And uh, when we cling to that, it's so, so hard to say, I'm going to give that up. You know, we talk about vulnerability and we talk about what feels dangerous saying, you know, maybe I haven't seen this the way that I should be looking at it. Maybe I was wrong in that assumption um, that I made, or even if I was right about your motives, maybe I, I chose the wrong reaction mm. um, to this right now. Maybe I'm making things worse, not better, but I'm blaming you mm. for making it worse. And, uh, and you know, to, to, and when I say that, and, you know, people will nod their heads and say, mm -mm, but then they'll, then they'll, they'll, they'll pause for a minute and that resistance will come back up and they'll say, but you don't know my spouse the way I do. <laughs> you're, you're probably right, Chad. For, for most people, what you're saying is true, but you don't know my spouse or you don't know my boss or you don't know this person that I work with. Or you don't know this, you know, you don't know Democrats or you don't know Republicans <laughs> or, you know, the way that I do. Right. Oh. And so, yes, yes, I know that you work with Israelis and Palestinians and, you know, I know that you're working in all these big conflicts, but they're nothing, nothing. compared to my mother-in-law. <laughs> His name is Chad Ford. The book's called Dangerous Love. Uh, fabulous book. And thank He's got a great sense of humor because it's so we, we we need to laugh at ourselves about this because you know listen you do we I, my wife and I have this agreement right because I do I, I I'm gonna admit it I'm gonna admit it people I fight the idea that I have to be right I fight it right and I and I finally got tired of going why is this so important to me my 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 wife would say to me why is this so important for you to be right over anything it didn't even matter what it was why is it so important for you to be right. And so now I've given her permission to call me out, right, by saying, "Are you trying to be right here?" I've given permission to my friends to call me to the, call me out and go, "You know, are you trying to be right here, Jay?" Can I tell you something? First of all, it's been a great exercise because it just lets me know how often I I'm trying to just do something just to because either I feel incompetent or I've got some self-esteem issues or whatever my issues are, right? How often I am over something stupid. You know, it could be, it could be, you know, who, you know, you know, why the right tackle, you know, pulled on a play. I got to be right about it. Well, why? What is that about? Right. It is, but to be called out on it, right. It, 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 it helps break it a little bit because you just, you don't realize how often, I, I don't think we realize just how often we fight to be right and, and, and why it needs to be so important to us because it gets us nowhere ultimately. Especially in conflict, you know, will people say, well, what, but what if I am, you know, what if the facts are right? And if you were just to go to Wikipedia, you would, you would find out that, that what I'm saying is accurate. Okay, fair enough. But is that the, is that the only thing that matters in this relationship right, right. now? And even when people get to, to morals or values, which, which are deeply important for many of us, right? right. And, and they, they motivate us at a, at a deep level sure. and they say, you know, this value that I hold or this moral that I hold it is so deep and so important. I can't possibly let this go. Mm. And, you know, my response to all that is it's, we can still hold our morals and values 
Mm. and be right with the people that we are in relationship with, right? It's, it's possible oh, wow. to disagree. It's possible to, to look at things differently yep. and still hold myself to what I think is maybe the deepest value. And I talk about some values in the book that I right. think are really helpful in conflict. One is that you're a person, regardless of what your political, moral, social right. beliefs are, even your behavior, you're a person. Two, the quickest way to get out of conflict is inside-outside transformation, not outside-inside transformation. And so I have to look at, I have to look at myself um, first. I'm going to hold myself accountable. That's a value that I can hold. That regardless of how you're seeing me, I'm going to hold myself accountable to how I see others and then how I treat them. And three, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to, I'm going to problem solve. I'm not going to try to win a conflict. Mm. Nor am I just going to give in and roll over. Nor am I going to avoid. That, that real relationships are when we roll up our sleeves and work on our problems together. If that takes weeks, fair enough. If that takes months, fair enough, because we're committed to each other mm. and we're committed to each other's success and each other's well-being and each other's happiness. And, you know, this message, and we, we live in a really polarized country um, right now, Jay, it seems to be lost on so many people um, right now that there is no successful outcome, no. right, to an election right. if half the country feels abandoned, if half the country feels right. lost, if half the country feels like they uh, are not being seen or heard or valued, um, there, there's no win for anybody. That. There's for, no for, for anybody, for the winners or for the losers. Right. There's really and, no win. And, right. And, and that, that, that's true all the way down into whoever our partners are, sure. to our relationship with our kids. You, if you win an argument and your spouse loses – You've lost too. Absolutely. And uh, you might not recognize it today, mm. um, but you're going to pay for it um, down the road. And yeah. so learning how to collaborate and really problem solving and committing to that right. uh, is, is, is something that is a value that I think sits at the very basis of what it means to be human, mm. um, right? And what it, right. what it means to be a, a good person. Um, right. And so I can have a value about is on time or, you know, this is my political stance on whatever it is. And, and that can be really important to me and fair enough. Right. And we can even disagree on it. Fair enough. That, that value is important to you. It's not necessarily important to me, but because it's important to you, how do I, how do I understand that? I understand what underlies that. What, what, what's, what's in your life experience or whatever that's made that so important to you. And how do we get creative about finding solutions that meet that need for you Mm. as well as meet the needs that I have? I'm going to bring to the table because one thing I think people misunderstand about dangerous love, they hear love and think soft. And okay, here's, here's what you're actually telling me. Just love the person. Just give up whatever it is that I dream or hope for or want. Just let them, you know, let them win. Right. Because that's what, you know, that's what a really good person does. And my answer to that is also the exact same as why you don't fight them. All right. That doesn't work either. Right. In a relationship, we, it's a, it's about us, not about me uh, or them. It's about us. And so us preservation becomes the rule of the day. Uh, we're Chad. Ford. Dude, you, that preaches right there. I'm just telling you. Uh, we're with Chad Ford. Dangerous Love is the book. Uh, I want to I talk about, I think there's something fundamental about the two metaphors that you use between smog and the cocoon. Because I think uh, we've kind of danced around it, but I think the metaphors are so powerful that if if people understand whether they're whether they see conflict as from a smog perspective or a cocoon perspective, 
that can really help us, I believe, because it, it helped me, um, you know, start to see conflict in a different way. I think it's an important concept. Do you want to just go ahead and, and give us the smog versus cocoon? Yeah. Because uh, I think they're powerful metaphors, by the way. Uh, yeah. They, the so so when somebody engages me and says, hey, I want you to help me mediate your conflict or whatever, the first thing I ask them is, can you give me a metaphor of what this conflict like means to you? And usually people pick things like mm-hmm. volcano exploding or, you know, shark chasing me or, you know, something that's really sort of dark and morbid. And it's really helpful for me because then I would say um, in my book, they have something called the smog view of conflict. And and I use smog as an analogy, right, as a metaphor, because you think about it, smog is, it makes everything hazy. It's not good for your lungs to breathe. Um, You know, continued exposure to that can even cause cancer in your lungs and what have you. But also people feel pretty helpless of what do I do with smog? Like I can go buy a Prius or, you know, something like that, or I can start walking to work, but there's millions of other people driving cars, uh, you know, all over the place. and, And none of them are necessarily going to be doing that as well. And so something has to change externally to me, but in the meantime, I'm slowly suffocating and dying, right? And that, mm. and that's sort of a view of conflict that's going to lead to self-defeating conflict styles. I'm going to start competing, or I'm going to start running, or I'm just going to lay, lay down and die uh, and give in. And in each of those cases, I'm not actually going to get anything that I want, and that, uh, nor will I get something that will actually be really sustainable in a relationship. But if you have this cocoon view, and if you think about it, okay, like there's a caterpillar and they're like walking around, they're eating leaves, they're doing their thing, right? But then one day they want to become a butterfly. So they get in this chrysalis or this cocoon and it's really tight and it's dark and probably pretty scary in there. I doubt it's very comfortable for the caterpillar. And if you know what happens next, the caterpillar actually liquefies, it actually, it actually essentially dies, right? But right. then it comes out of the cocoon and it's, it's got wings. And it looks completely different, by the way, too. A, 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 a butterfly is not a caterpillar with wings. It looks like a different creature, right. but it can fly now. And, and, I, and I think that's a better metaphor for what we're trying to get with conflict. Yes, it can be a little scary. Yes, it can feel confining. Yes, my heart might be beating uh, you know, through it, but it allows us to fly, at the end, because it allows us to look at the challenges mm. that we're facing together and find solutions that work for both of us. And that's so much better than just running or fighting or um, laying down. And, and when we do that, you know, we can, we can fly. And so, yeah, conflict could be hard. It can be scary. That's, that's, that's true. But look what it can do to transform us, mm. right? And, and transform our relationship and the best relationships that's beautiful. In the workplace, are collaborative. The best marriages mm. are collaborative. In fact, John Gottman, who's done tons of research on marriage, says you have an 80% chance of your marriage not working out if you don't let your partner influence you and influence your decision-making. Um, and then, you know, vice versa, right? In other words, if it's all about me, if I've got that inward mindset and my partner doesn't influence me, I influence my partner. Right, I've got eighty percent chance of my marriage falling apart at some time. Um, right, because people need to be seen, they need to be regarded, they need to be heard, they need to feel like their influence matters, and 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 that's true, you know, for all of us. Mm. And and so I have to be alive to these people that aren't always going to want to do it the way that I want to do it or see it the way that I want to see it, and I have to be open to finding pathways. Right, that that work for both of us, and that that's what makes a relationship a great relationship, and why so many of us are right now struggling with certain relationships in our life, and saying, 
man, I just wish, I wish this was better. I, I wish I had a better relationship with one of my kids right now. I'm really struggling. Or I know my, my, my wife and I are like roommates right now. Like, you know, we, we live together, but we're not really connected. We're the walking dead. We're zombies. Like we're living, but we're not living. Or, you know, our communities, we, we, we can't even engage, you know, anymore in these things. And, and the answer is, yeah, because we're not, we're not allowing ourselves to be influenced right? By yeah. people that are different than us than see things. And, you know, things like social media and Facebook and all those things, those algorithms actually put us in these tunnels, right? Where the only things that influence are like-minded individuals and people who believe the exact same things that we do. And we, we completely cut ourselves off from the influence of the other. And some of us applaud it and say, well, isn't that great? You know, I don't have that poisonous, evil, whatever thing influencing me. And, and uh, you know, my answer is no, it's not great. It ultimately leads to so much separation and pain. Mm. His name's Chad Ford. Wow, huh? Powerful people out there? Yeah, yeah, I thought you'd say that. Uh, the book is entitled Dangerous Love, and you are listening to him here on A New Direction. Folks, uh, Two great sponsors. Uh, Epic Physical Therapy offers the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment, including the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill. Takes the pressure off the joints, lets you run. Not that I'm a runner, but i got to tell you, for people who are, they love it when they're getting some, you know, getting in their rehab done in terms of getting their physical therapy done. Uh, there's also the Normatec compression sleeves. Fabulous. It makes you feel like your joints never hurt again. Then there's the Game Ready. My favorite freezing ice cold water and compression at the same time right on the joint right on that area oh man it's fantastic look that's just a few of the things they have they're also trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting edge treatments available including things like blood flow restriction therapy dry needling which by the way is fantastic if you never tried it boy it's a pain reliever and then cupping if you've ever seen the circles on the back of swimmers they're manipulating the muscle through the skin in the back it's 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 just amazing look I'm just telling you, if you're ready for your epic relief, if you're ready for your epic recovery, if you're ready for epic results, don't look any further. Just go to Epic Physical Therapy. It's epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft, the team realtors, for over 35 years, they have been serving not only the Research Triangle Park area in North Carolina, but the, also the entire world. They have been helping people sell homes, buy homes for all that time, and they've been at the very top of their game. And they're an independently, locally owned, operated real estate company that is unaffiliated with any national brand. Well, how can you be at the top of your game in, in, in a community like that and not be affiliated with a national brand. I'll tell you why you build relationships. That's what Linda did. Her priority was that she knew that, you know, <clears throat> yeah, you know, you'll never remember the cost of your grandma's house, but you'll remember every memory that you had there, won't you? And she understood that those memories and that house kind of connect together and those create relationships and those relationships are so important. And, you know, she is going to try to take the stress out of your, your, your real estate needs. She's going to make sure you get the best price. She's going to do all the things everyone else does. But the biggest thing is she wants to make sure that the relationship is right between her and you, because she understands that so often a real estate transaction can be in conflict, Right. So it's about understanding you as a person first, right? So that, so that she can bridge that gap. So look, 
When you're ready to deal with the memory maker, the relationship creator, the relationship maintainer, the the person who her past clients all say, you know what, when it comes to customer service, it's, she's just legendary. Why not go to lindacraft.com? It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, Professor Chad Ford, uh, author of the book Dangerous Love, uh, Transforming Fear and Con- Conflict at Home, at Work, and in the World. It's a fabulous uh, read, and uh, we are not very far into but man, if you're listening, if you've been listening at all for even two minutes, you can hear um, Chad's passion and how powerful um, this book is. You can just hear it. Uh, Chad, I want to dig into something um that we have a tendency to do, and you talk about this at, at, at great length in Chapter 5, is that we tend to be a little bit of conflict avoiders. Um, it seems to be kind of our default tactic, for, I, I think, for most people, is right. they just want to avoid conflict. And you, you'd say in Chapter 5, conflict avoidance is the tactic that goes hand-in-hand with regression. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, Think about fear, right? Uh, and what our natural responses uh, to fear are. And, and, you know, there's two basic ones you hear about all the time, even in high school, right? If we're going to fight or flight. But our most natural reaction is actually flight, right? If I can get it, get out of there, if something's scary, if I can, if I can avoid it somehow, I'm right. going to do that because fight is going to put me more at risk than flight is. If I can outrun this, right? I, I, and that's the calculation I'm going to make in my head. And so for so many of us, just the, the natural fear of conflict puts us in this state of regression where it's essentially like we go hide in the closet, right? And just hope that whatever it is that's out there rumbling through our living room that's scary, <laughs> it's going to eventually just leave on its own. And whew, I, you know, I dodge that, I dodge that bullet. And while there's certain things that I think we can avoid in conflict, we can avoid ongoing conflicts in our relationships. Uh, things that are happening, avoidance isn't going to, to solve the problem. It's not going to go away. In fact, it's going to fester and get bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And, you know, I think a lot about it, like, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I, I've got a, I've got a Jeep and, uh, you know, I love having a Jeep, but anybody that buys a Jeep will tell you, you know, that Jeep requires a lot of maintenance. And, um, you know, a, a sensor went out on my Jeep. It was a sensor in the engine. And, uh, you know, I was like, ah, it's not, not that big a deal. Found I was like $600 to replace. Didn't really want to spend the money at the time. Drove it around. Then my engine starts overheating. Then I blow a valve. Uh, and all of a sudden, the, the uh, bill's like $2,500, right? And right. if I just, when the sensor went out, right. uh, noticed it and, and fixed it, I don't have any of those other repairs in my engine, right? right. Um, but because I avoided it and, and rationalized away how I wasn't going to fix it, it starts to build up and build up and build up. And that's what happens in relationships. And one of the things I'm training people that are working with me is, you know, when something comes up, don't run out of the house and, and, and steam about it and talk to your coworkers or your parents or whatever, and, and just let it build and fester inside, address it right then, right? That's when you have the best chance of like successfully being able to wrestle with it. Now, look, if I'm really heated and I know I'm going to say that thing, that I'm going to deeply regret. And I know that about myself. I got a temper. I know I'm going to explode. Okay, fair enough. Go take a walk, take the dog, go out, walk around the block a little minute, minute, you know, calm down a little bit, but, but avoidance, 
you know, with so many of our problems, that's, that's what's happening. You know, when I talk to couples and I talk to people in organizations, we can trace back those problems for years, right, within mm. the organization. And I have this oatmeal rule that I talk about in the book, but it, it essentially goes like this. Like if you've ever had a bowl of oatmeal before, and as soon as you're done eating it, you put it under the, under the faucet. The oatmeal, whatever's left, this literally slides out like slime. You don't even have to put a, put a sponge or anything. It'll just slide right out. Leave that oatmeal on your counter all day and come home that night. And oatmeal's crazy. It's like glue. It like will stick to like porcelain. And probably what you're going to have to do is soak it overnight, right? Before you're going to be able to get out. Now imagine that I left it there for like a year or two years or whatever. Your, your reaction probably like mine is I'm just going to throw out the bowl. <laughs> Right? I mean, at that point, like there's no saving the bowl, right? And of course, when people come to me, that's exactly that's exactly what they want to do. Let's just throw this relationship out, right? Like there's no way that we're going to fix it anymore. And you know, the answer is that's not true. Uh, there, there's lots of things that we can do, but we also have to be patient. The longer we avoid, the more time it's going to take to fix it on the back end. And so, if I can do that rational little cal- calculation in my brain, the longer I sit on this. The harder it is going to be to, for me to dig myself out of this hole. And in fact, I'm going to probably keep digging and digging and digging and blame them for the digging, uh, right? Uh, instead, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to try to address it right away before it gets bad, right? Before we, we get back to back and really start hurting each other, I'm going to address it right now. But again, as you pointed out, that is not most people's instinct, the conflict. Yeah. It's the opposite of that, yeah. right? Pretend it's not there. Hope it goes away. Yeah. And, and, you know, then it leads us to chapter seven, you know, the chasm of separation and self-deception, right? And you start the chapter, the question becomes, what if my fears are real? Right. I mean, cause I mean, you can hear people, right. Who are listening to the show, but, but Chad, what if, but what if what I'm afraid of is real? Right. I mean, you ask, uh, you come right out of the question. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, actually chapter one starts and I, I intentionally started this with a phrase from Miriam to tell the story, but what if he's evil, mm. right? Because she was hearing all that too. And that was a reaction. That, mm. and, and I get some sort of reaction to that, right? Again, mm. it's like, you don't know my mother-in-law the way that you know, but this person really is bad intention. You don't understand right. this person trying to hurt me. And I say, and there's two things I say, first of all, our perception of conflict is the conflict, unfortunately, right? So if right. I perceive them to be that way, that is how I'm feeling, whether it's right or wrong, that's how you're feeling, right? And so now all I can do is try to problematize that story, right? To try to ask questions and, and get you to maybe question whether the story that you're telling about them and you is actually everything and see if that can't um, dissipate the fear. But what if somebody is abusive? Like they're really abusive, physically, emotionally, or whatever. And, you know, my answer to that is, you know, dangerous love doesn't literally mean, okay, someone's abusing me. I have to stay with that abuser, see them as a person, let them continue to abuse me because you know that's what you would do if you if you saw them as a person. I actually, you know, I talk about this a little bit later in the book, but even if I have to set boundaries and there's strict boundaries about you know physical contact, uh, emotional contact, you name it, those those boundaries can be done while loving dangerously. I can still see the humanity of a person that is mistreating me and horribly mistreating me and set appropriate boundaries, including, you know, in one case that I talked about calling the police and saying, you know, they, they've got a problem and that they're going to actually need 
to be put away from people for a while until they can work on that issue, um, right? Or uh, sending someone to a rehab facility that they don't want to go to or what have you, right? Like we can, we can set boundaries. But what I often find people doing is they set the boundaries before the dangerous love part, not after, right? And those boundaries aren't meant, right, uh, to be helpful to them and to you and be helpful to us. They're there to punish the other person or they're there to just protect me, right? And so there's a way that I can both protect myself and be helpful to the other person. And those boundaries, I I think, are really important. But again, I think most of the time, people are jumping the gun. They want to jump right to the boundaries and, and then go. And, that, and that's not the problem, right? And, and sometimes it is. And I acknowledge when it is, of course, then, then that's what you have to do. Um, but so often we want to jump the gun there because again, it's an external fix, right? If I can just cut them out of my life, that's a great way to avoid, right? right, <laughs> Jay, right I'm just right. going to cut, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to block right. them on everything. That's a great way to be able to avoid them. And so I don't have to deal with them anymore. Uh, the problem is they're still there. And you still carry all of that trauma with you. And if you really want to heal, um, then it's going to take a more dangerous move. His name's Chad Ford. Book is called Dangerous Love. Chad, we've been on for an hour. And it's gone by like it was three minutes. Time flies. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this, man. You, you, The book is great. You're even better. I mean, I thought, I thought you were great in the book. I thought you were better in person. And it was, it's a pretty, it's a pretty much a toss up, but man, powerful. I know that people are being helped today because of what you did on the show. And I cannot thank you enough, um, for your honesty and, and helping people deal with their conflict. Uh, the show's called a new direction because we try to help people find a new direction in their life or their career in the business. If you could leave people with a new direction, what would Chad Ford say author of dangerous love have um have a little faith in people including yourself Mm. right uh and have a little faith that you can do this that you can turn first um that you can have the courage to love someone even if you don't like them (laughs) and even if you don't like what they're doing and that doing that is going to create space for them to also make radical changes Right. And, you know, one of the things I, I, I talk about a lot in, in my profession as a mediator, and I'm sure, Jay, it's the same for you and what you're trying to do. I tell people all the time, my students, look, you can't do this work if you don't believe people can change. Mm. Right. If, if you don't believe people can change, just quit, quit right now. Right. But if you believe that, and by the way, that first person I have to believe can change is me. Right. But if I hold that truth that I can change, doesn't mean I change overnight. Doesn't mean it happens all at once. Doesn't mean that sometimes I regress and stumble and fall back. I've written this book. I've, I've counseled thousands of people. I still have conflict in my life. I still have teenagers at time that I'm, you know, you can see I don't have much hair left. I'm pulling my, <laughs> pulling my hair out. I still have marital conflict at times because I'm still not perfect at it. I still struggle at times. I still get inward um, at times. But the one commitment that I have to my, my family, my friends, and the people that I work with, is if I stumble, I'm going to pick myself back up and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to make it right and I'm going to try again, right? And I'm, I'm going to do it as many, many times as it takes, no matter how bloody my knees are, um, you know, how, how tired I'm going to be, that's what I'm going to do. And you know, I, I would just tell all your listeners, you can do this too. Mm-hmm. Have faith in yourself. 
and have faith in the people that you have in conflict with that if you change the way that you see each other, everything about that relationship can change. That's, wow. Chad Ford, Dangerous Love. Get it. Folks, uh, this is the show. You know what I say every week? You know what? Be inspired because when you're inspired, that means you'll inspire other people in turn. They will be inspired. And which means that they keep inspiring others. And you know what? That can make this world an amazing place. I'm going to be back here next week with another great guest, another great book. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you every week, ciao, everybody. Rest well, Bob. confidence and the answers don't make sense you got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your time to find a new direction a brand new day a new direction things are gonna change Dreams will take